tuned in to the Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we are speaking with Hallie Hamilton. Hallie Hamilton has been dedicated to the welfare of feline companions for over two years as the cat adoption manager at Austin Pets Alive. With a profound commitment to making a difference in the lives of cats in need, she oversees a dedicated team of adoption counselors, a placement coordinator, and an events coordinator. Under Hallie's leadership, Austin Pets Alive manages three on-site adoption centers providing shelter and care for over 100 cats at any given time. What truly sets her apart is her unwavering determination to break down barriers to cat adoption. She, alongside her exceptional team, consistently finds new and creative ways to place hard-to-adopt cats, including those with incontinence, diabetes, and various medical needs into loving homes. Since taking on the role of cat adoption manager, Hallie has shattered previous adoption records for specialty populations, showcasing her unparalleled dedication to the cause. Her passion extends beyond the walls of the shelter. As she strives to ensure every cat finds a loving home and every adopter experiences a successful and fulfilling adoption journey. Hallie's tireless efforts and compassionate approach are not only transforming the lives of cats, but also inspiring others to join the mission of saving and enriching the lives of our feline friends. I'd like to welcome you to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So first and foremost, how'd you become passionate about cats? I will say it started at a very early age. I grew up with five older brothers, very hectic household. And we always were just, you know, feeding the little things in the neighborhood and then slowly bringing them into the house and then telling our parents a week later. So I would say that's kind of where it started. (laughs) So in your journey to getting to Austin Pets Alive, I mean, did you go to college? Did you think you wanted to be a veterinarian? Not many people sit around the Thanksgiving dinner table or whatever and say, hey, I want to be an adoption cat program manager, you know, so how did that go? So I actually went to college for dance and then realized that I didn't love college so much. I wasn't ready. I, you know, wasn't ready to be focused. So I went to beauty school. After that, I did end up finding work as, you know, a director of studios, dance studios, and managing dance teams and things like that. And then the pandemic happened, and that wasn't really something that was working out. Teaching dance classes over Zoom kind of lost the art and the passion. And so we started fostering to fill our time. And once I started fostering with APA, I was just so impressed with the people running the programs. And I thought, you know, I wanted to do something different. I love animals. Maybe I could work here and, you know, turn something that has always been a passion for me into a career. So working with dancers and doing adoptions of at-risk cats, are there similarities there? I would say the customer service aspect of everything is very similar. You know, dance moms, adopters can be, you know, somewhat the same on occasion. But, you know, kids and cats are similar too. There's all sorts of personalities, different levels of spicy and sweet and always cuddly in the end. So, (laughs) Excellent. Great. So did you find adapting to being a cat adoption manager an easy adaption or like how did you learn the process? 
So I did start out as a cat adoption counselor first. I just wanted something relatively simple seeming, you know, less stressful than my current job as, you know, a dance teacher. And so in that, I got to learn a lot about the various medical treatments and the various, you know, services that APA provided. And then just my years of putting on stage productions and managing dance teams and you know, it just kind of was a natural fit to manage a team of people who also loved cats as much as I did and wanted to, you know, help them find a really great outcome in their life. Tell me about the at-risk cats that you've learned to deal with and to try and adopt out at Austin Pets Alive. I mean, what makes you all more unique than maybe two or three years before you came even to Austin Pets Alive? So I will say that, you know, because of the chaos and the fast-paced you know, aspect of sheltering and Austin Pets Alive having such a large footprint and being as well known as they are. You know, we have our on-site clinic. We have amazing vets and vet techs that work here with us. And when people can't keep their animals, they surrender them to shelters. And because we have this clinic of amazing, you know, medical technicians and veterinarians, we are able to take these cats and get creative with their care and find ways to save their lives. You know, we pull the most at-risk cats from other shelters. So shelters in areas that aren't, you know, no-kill cities like we are. Shelters that are at capacity and we'll just have to start euthanizing cats for little things like ringworm, you know, treatable fungus. And, you know, we have found a lot of support over the years and people who have sponsored, you know, specific adoption centers for our feline leukemia kitties. And then we just keep each year taking on new challenges. So, you know, incontinent kitties, there's so many different reasons that cats end up incontinent. They're either born that way or there's, you know, traumatic injury and they would be automatically euthanized elsewhere. And we found that if we teach people how to express bladders and we teach them tips and tricks on how to, you know, acclimate them into their home and keep it from being a big, messy, dirty thing that they think it might be, that, you know, they're willing to take that risk and we support them with our clinic. And, you know, again, there are a lot of shelters out there that aren't as fortunate as us to have a clinic on site and, you know, have to work with actual vet clinics that will, you know, donate their time. So we are very fortunate to have a little bit of, you know, a lot more help, I should say, and that we can take these risks and try and see if it works. <laughs> so you're talking about you taking in a lot of these cats sort of from outside what I would call a service area. So, you know, you have your sort of primary focus area. Maybe it's greater Austin. I'm not sure what your zone of service really is. And then you're taking in these cats from outside of the area. Is that sort of an accurate picture? Yeah. So we pull from all over Texas. We do sometimes transport from even outside of Texas. I believe last year we did a transport of nine feline leukemia positive cats from Puerto Rico. You know, we generally try to stay within Texas. We try and help our state. We try and help, you know, the cities that are closest to us, the ones that maybe are in lower income areas that don't have, you know, as many opportunities and programs for help. And, you know, we bring those cats here and we vet them and treat them if they need it. And, you know, we find adoptive homes for them. Is there something that an individual could do? Say you're an individual out there doing TNR and inevitably as you're doing TNR, there is some rescue that does get to be involved in that. And say you do have an at-risk cat that you've pulled off the streets because for whatever reason you've made that decision. Being the adoption manager that you are, are there special tips and tricks that you would have to help us all 
be able to do a better job at promoting our at-risk kitties? You know, it really is a matter of never hurts to ask. <laughs> you know, I know with TNR, it can be tough because especially with cats that are used to being outside, right? They want to, that's where they're happiest. And we don't want to take them away from that. We do have a barn cat program here. So, you know, any of those cats that are at risk, but are happier living an outdoor life, they come here, we adopt them out to farms and, you know, homes that have plenty of land and things like that. I think, you know, reaching out to rescues to see if they can help or even to find tips and tricks. Luckily in in Texas, there is a lot of really good TNR programs that have connections with certain vets that will help. You know, if a cat is injured, they kind of know who to reach out to, which emergency vet to send them to and get them fixed up. We do have some that their caretakers, the community caretakers will bring them to us. They essentially surrender those cats to us for care. And then we know it's in the best interest for that cat to return to its community, to what it knows. And then we will adopt it back out to that caretaker and it can go back home once it's healthy and well enough to do so. If it turns out that it shouldn't be, you know, released back outside, then we dig deep and try and find, you know, creative alternatives for this cat. Is it okay enough being inside and somebody's okay enough having a statue cat that doesn't really want to, you know, be loved on or pet and it can still have a good life, you know, things like that. But again, cats are super resilient, you know, they can really survive through a lot. I'm sure you've seen it in 20 years of rescue. It's, you know, eyeballs, legs, who needs them? They just kind of, they figure it out. They're really just so cool. (laughs) I know you said before we hit the recording button that you had brought some numbers along with you. So, you know, when we're talking about adopting out feline leukemia positive cats, you know, how many are you adopting out as well as other categories? I'm not sure how you track them, but what are the other categories you have? So many. We try and keep track of all of the weird things that we take care of. But for instance, you know, at to date this year, we have adopted out 276. We've done about 300 feline leukemia intakes. So we're adopting out just about as many as we do take, you know, staying kind of close with that. Incontinent kitties, we've adopted out 29 incontinent cats so far this year. Our record was in 2022, and that was 23 total. So we've already shattered our record for last year. And then with diabetic cats, you know, we tend to see less of, and they tend to stay in foster a little bit longer. Surprisingly, even though care is relatively easy, there is an expiration date on, you know, insulin. So it can be something that cost-wise is something we have to work through. But this year we've adopted out five diabetic cats so far. Total adoptions for the year so far are 3,834 cat adoptions. I think last year in the whole entire year, we did just over 6,000 total cat adoptions. So we have some pretty high numbers, I would say, but we also, I think, you know, just have kind of a larger shelter and And we do have multiple locations that we house cats in, which is helpful. Tomahawk Live Trap exceeds customers' expectations by providing them with the highest quality humane animal control products available. Check out their new Pro Series Gravity Door Trap. They feature a door that sets automatically when you open it. No hook or plate setting needed. Use discount code KEEPITHUMANE for 10% off your order at LiveTrap.com. Want an easy grant opportunity for your animal organization? Maddie's Fund is giving away a $3,000 grant each month to one lucky Maddie's Pet Forum member. You'll automatically be entered to win each month when you start a new discussion, reply to a new post, or upload a new library resource. 
Learn more at forum.maddiesfund.org today. In four days, the 2024 online CAP conference will be starting, and I don't want you to miss this opportunity to join us for one of the largest virtual conferences focused on CAPs for the year. We have some incredible speakers, including a few names that just might be a bit new to you. Mary Scott will be talking about barn cat relocation and Dan Spihar, who is quietly making a plan for Ohio's community cats and their caregivers to have access to TNR services. I will do a presentation on how to reduce cat overpopulation. For $75, it's well worth the price. All sessions will be recorded and available to watch, so please sign up today so you don't miss this great chance to join us. Please join the movement. Turn your passion for cats into action. Just go to www.communitycatspodcast.com. Do you get the sense that the demand for your assistance for these kinds of kitties is going up, going down, staying the same? It's definitely going up. We do, you know, right now we're kind of in a transition period with our city shelter. There's just, you know, we're trying to figure out ways to help and ways to kind of, you know, expand on how we help when the city shelter is full, people come to us and we're not technically open intake because we are a private shelter. So, you know, we have a wonderful program called PASS. It's Positive Alternatives to Shelter Surrender. And PASS really works within the community to help keep animals with their owners, whatever it takes. So whether that's, you know, providing food or litter through donations you know, helping them crowdfund for vet care, for major surgeries, things like that. We have a lot of programs that we've created because of the need that people have shown us that they have for our help. So we do have people that will show up in tears. I found this cat, something's wrong. Can you help it? You know, and of course, anybody who's ever done this work knows that we're all suckers and saying no is something that does not come easy. So if we can, we will, we will always help. Excellent. Are there educational opportunities? Are there any opportunities for folks from other parts of the country to be able to come to Austin Pets Alive to like learn about the work that you're doing? Absolutely. You know, anytime they want to reach out and see about shadowing any of our programs, I mean, we have basically, we have, you know, a whole dog side to things and a cat side to things. We have a care team, a foster team, an adoptions team, a neonatal team. I mean, we have all of these different programs that, you know, they operate working together, but also separately to, you know, accommodate these different populations. Ideally, we want every cat in foster. We don't want any cats here in our brick and mortar location. You know, it's stressful in the shelter. So no matter how hard you work at enrichment and offering the best treats and toys and, you know, classical music, (laughs) it's still, there's a lot of people and the, the smells change and the cats change. And so we're happy to share all of the things that we have learned. We want to empower other shelters to do what we do and be able to run their own, you know, feline leukemia adoption programs, their own ringworm adoption programs. We want to help them figure out how to place incontinent cats in homes. You know, it's for us, we don't want to keep any of this close to our chest and not teach everybody everywhere how to do it. We want everybody to help, you know, save these cats. So you mentioned foster. So like on a scale, what percentage of the cats in your care are in foster versus actually in your facility? Uh, I would say at least 80, probably more than that. If I'm being honest, that is a number I didn't pull. I'm so sorry. (laughs) 
But, you know, we have probably close to a thousand plus cats that we have in our care at any given time. And like I said, we have maybe a hundred plus that are in our adoption centers and then neonatal, they have their own separate location to, you know, keep things as clean and disease free as they can for the baby kittens. And those kittens almost always find foster relatively immediately. So the majority of our, our cats and kittens are in foster, thankfully. Mm. But then how do you market and, and promote them? Or are all the cats in foster not available for adoption? Or are they available? Do you let the foster homes adopt them out on their own and that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. So we actually have a marketing team, fully volunteer, and they work with fosters that once they take a cat to foster, they send them basically information on here is a bio form to fill out on your kitty. You know, after you've had them in your home for a couple of days, answer, you know, days answers these questions. And then we have, you know, volunteer bio writers that will write bios for the kitties. We ask the fosters to send pictures and videos, and then we add that to their profiles and it uploads to our website. And then when anybody's browsing the website, they see a cat or kitten they like, they just click, you know, on the adoption inquiry button and they get connected directly with the foster who then sets up a meet and greet. They can do that in their home. They can do it virtually over, you know, Zoom or FaceTime, Google Meet, whatever they like. And then, you know, if whoever meets this kitty virtually or in person decides they want to adopt, then they either reach out to our schedulers or they come on site and they can process the adoption and then go pick up their cat. So you have the potential new owner come to your facility to process the adoption and then they can go and pick up the kitty at foster, right? There's just always so many different ways that this whole foster to new home Uh connection is made. And so I just, I find it fascinating trying to understand how much of it is within the hands of the foster controlled by the organization. And it looks like you're kind of a hybrid, really. It's- we are, we are. We rely on the fosters to give us, you know, lots of good pictures and lots of good information on the kitties' personalities so we can market them. We do the bulk of the work and try and let them know, like, it is not your, you don't have to vet these people. You know, we will counsel them during the appointment. We will answer questions. If we determine red flags, we'll talk about it. You know, we don't want them to have that added stress. They just, we just want them to enjoy helping the kitties, you know, on their journey. And We also have a virtual team that will do like telephone adoption appointments for cats that are in foster. So people don't even have to come on site. And then just through email, we say, okay, you can release your kitty to the adopter. And then they arrange pickup between the foster and adopter. And do you have a foster program coordinator? We do. Basically, we have a cat foster manager for cats that are, you know, over eight weeks old. Those are the ones that are going to be adoptable age. That's our kind of our minimum And yeah, she works with, you know, within, she has a few employees that work for her. We do a foster to adopt program. So if people aren't quite sure it's going to work out, they can take the cat home as their foster for two weeks. The cat will be unavailable. And then if they decide to keep and adopt, we move forward with adoption. If they're like, you know what, this wasn't a good fit. They continue to foster until it finds its home. So we have, we do have somebody that kind of oversees those programs and keeps in touch with the fosters and makes sure that they can connect with the clinic and have the information they need and, you know, get their marketing in, get those kitties adopted for us. I know you said the diabetic cats were probably the lowest number, but then again, they are also probably the lowest number of coming in. What would you say are the hardest cats to try and find homes for? It's honestly, I would say it's a toss up between incontinent and diabetic. 
Again, with diabetes, cats take such little insulin because they're so small and insulin does go bad after a time. So you can't buy it in bulk per se, where you would save some money. So there could be an added cost also like, you know, testing for BG curves. So there's just different things, you know, the feeding, the food that they can eat, they can eat friskies, pate, you know, seafood flavor, and they're fine. So their food can be cheap and they don't seem to mind the pokes. The needle's very small. It's just, you know, I think it's sometimes to talk people through it and convince them or, you know, educate them that this isn't really that hard. We can show you how we'll support you. And then in turn, the incontinent kitties, you know, you have to learn a new skill, whether that's expressing a bladder or, you know, fecally expressing a cat or, you know, just managing a cat that maybe will leak or leave you little Tootsie Rolls on your carpet randomly throughout the day. You know, just coming up with ways that we can have tips and tricks and also just offer them support with our clinic, which we do for, you know, 60 days with these medical adoptions. We do what we call a pre-adopt. And that means we still technically own the cat, but it can go home with its new owner. But this way we can provide any medical care it needs for that first couple of months while they kind of settle into a routine. And then they have the full support of, of our team and our clinic to help them kind of, you know, find their new normal. So Hallie, if folks are interested in finding out more about Austin Pets Alive and the work that you are doing, how would they be able to do that? I mean, on any of the social media platforms, they can just search Austin Pets Alive and follow us. We are constantly updating, doing our our reels and our little streams and everything. They can also visit our website, austinpetsalive.org, and you know, browse through there. Anything that we have that's up and coming, any way to reach out and connect with us, you know, those are all options there. They can just kind of browse and see what kind of animals that we have in our care and you know what kind of stories that we're, you know, showcasing some of the major surgeries that we're able to complete and, you know, just some of the successes that we have because we have a lot and we're really proud of them. Excellent. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm just really grateful for this opportunity to talk about, you know, our adoption program and really proud of it. When I started as a counselor, you know, incontinent adoptions weren't really a thing that we were delving into. They just kind of got stuck in the shelter. And, you know, when I moved into this position, we just kind of said, why? Like, why can't we try? And, you know, at this point, my incontinent fosters are my favorite. I currently (laughs) have a little Manx kitten named Manx for the memories at my house. He is, you know, a little messy, but we're working through it. And, you know, you just kind of develop this bond with kitties that rely on you, you know, and it's really special. And they just they adore you and you can feel it. And I think it's just the biggest reward that we have from, you know, from helping these at-risk kitties is just the love we get in return. And we're just grateful to have it. Well, I want to thank you for all that you do. And I tell you the bladder, expressing bladders and mega colon kitties, it really is, it's a skill and it's a skill that will uh, last you a lifetime for sure. Because if you ever go to a spay neuter clinic, everybody's like, who can express bladders here? You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) So, you know, it's good, good for the coffee talk, I guess. Right. You know, (laughs) but anyway, so Hallie, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Thank you. I look forward to it. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think and a five-star review really helps others find the show. 
You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening. And thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats.